is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 96 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Homestead Journey. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And folks, before we jump into this week's episode, I did want to give you a little bit of a podcast update. And that is that you may have noticed that this week there was no five-minute Friday. And don't worry, everything is okay. Um, I have just decided to put the five-minute Fridays on the shelf for a little bit. So five-minute Fridays are on a bit of a hiatus, at least through the end of August, just because it's so busy right now here on the homestead. And I'm reevaluating that segment. So if that is something that you really enjoy, please let me know that. And if it's something that you don't really care about, let me know that as well. Again, my goal for this podcast is for it to be helpful for you. And so if you enjoy the five-minute Fridays, I am more than happy to keep putting them out. But if it's something that doesn't really mean that much to you, obviously there are a lot of other things that I can put my time, effort, and energy into. And so anyhow, right now, for the month of August, there will be no more five-minute Fridays. And we'll revisit that going into September here of 2021. So looking for your feedback, uh, let me know, drop me an email or hit me up on our social media accounts and just give me your feedback. I would be be grateful if you would do that. So my email, brian at thehomesteadjourney.net and all of the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes. Uh, but we are on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. So having said that, let me jump right into this week's Homestead Happenings and bring you up to speed with what we've been doing here on 3B Farm and Homestead. The biggest news here on the Homestead is that we had... Well, some of our piglets from this spring's litter go to their new homes earlier this week. And that was very, very exciting. And this has been kind of the culmination uh, of a dream of some people that I met, I think, probably four or five years ago, who had a desire to get American guinea hogs. And it was funny when we met each other. Uh, Andy and I, it was like my brother from another mother. Our perspectives on heritage breeds and so forth were so similar. Uh, It was just absolutely amazing. And it's just taken a bit of time. They have had so many challenges that they have gone through in getting their homestead up and running. And so they were finally able to get pigs into their plan. And so honored and so excited that those pigs have gone to be with them. So honored to be a part of Andy and Marissa's homestead journey. A big part of this week, though, was 
trying to stay on top of the harvest from the garden. And one of the things that is coming on hot and heavy right now are my cucumbers. Now, you may remember that I shared with you that besides having problems with the zucchini and summer squash, I also over the last several years have had problems growing cucumbers. And that stands to reason because a lot of the same diseases that affect zucchini and summer squash can affect cucumbers because they're from the same family, cucurbits. And so this year, like I changed up the varieties of zucchini and summer squash that I was planting, I also tried a new variety of cucumber. And it is a variety called the Silver Slicer. Now, the Silver Slicer is a white-skinned cucumber that was actually developed, I believe, by Cornell University, which is located here in beautiful New York. It would be really central New York. I almost said beautiful upstate New York, but there are people who would wrap my knuckles and say, no, it's not upstate New York, that's central New York. And they probably would be correct. But anyhow, (laughs) the Silver Slicer was developed to be resistant to powdery mildew. And that has been one of the things I think that has been taking out my cucumbers. So I planted the silver slicer and it has been producing very, very well for me. Another variety of cucumber that I planted was something called Boothby's Blonde, which is another smaller white cucumber. And that also has been producing very, very well for me. And so this week I actually made pickles for the first time in probably four or five years. Besides making jams and jellies, I would say pickles is my other very favorite thing to can and to make here on the homestead. And there's one particular type of pickle that I absolutely love making. And that is a ripe cucumber pickle that is called a tongue pickle. Now, the reason why it's called a tongue pickle is because what you do is if if cucumbers get too big and they start turning yellow or orange on you, you know, they're going to be really, really seedy. So you cut those in half and you scoop out the seeds and now you're left with like a boat. And so you cut that in strips and then cut it in half. And if you look at it, maybe squint your eyes just a little bit. It does look a little bit like a tongue. And so these are referred to as tongue pickles. It's something that my grandmother made when I was growing up. And it's my all-time favorite pickle. And so the I had some Boothby's Blonde that actually got away from me. And so I went ahead and made a batch of tongue pickles uh, this weekend and so excited about that. I also made two batches of bread and butter pickles, which is my second favorite pickle. And I made one that is called a British bread and butter pickle. And the other one is just a regular bread and butter pickle. And basically the difference between the two is the British one uses apple cider vinegar. I believe it uses brown sugar and it has ginger in it. Whereas the regular bread and butter pickle doesn't have the ginger, uses white vinegar and white sugar. I also made a batch of blueberry jam. So my wife picked blueberries just before we went on our camping trip. I wasn't able to get the blueberry jam made but I wanted to have it for the fair, which is coming up a week from Monday. And so I went ahead and made a batch of the blueberry jam using frozen blueberries. That's one of the things that you can do with uh, fruits and even some vegetables. 
depending on what you're trying to do with it. If you don't have time to deal with it right away, wash them, drain them, put them in the freezer, and then you can circle back around to it and make jams, jellies, sauces. I do that a lot with tomatoes. Uh, freeze the tomatoes whole. And then when you defrost them, the skins slip off. A lot of the water is released. And so it makes for a quicker uh, attempt at making sauce. So certainly those are things that you can do. If you don't have time at that point, when you have to harvest vegetables or fruits, you can, in some cases, put them in the freezer and then can them making you know, some kind of jam jelly or sauce later on. Finally, I went ahead and did another batch of, well, I was going to say green beans. It really wasn't green beans. We'll call them string beans. They're actually dragon tongue beans. So they're a yellow bean with a purple stripe in them. They're a wider potted bean. And I had asked my mom and dad to pick those while we were on vacation. They didn't get a chance to do that. So I went ahead and picked them. And I think I got 10 more pints of beans uh, out of that. And so I wasn't planning on canning that many green beans this year because we had so many left over from last year. My plan was to actually do some dilly beans this year, but those wide potted beans, I don't really care for as dilly beans. So I did go ahead and pressure can them up for just regular eating string beans. So it was overall a very busy week here on the homestead, a lot of food preserved. We actually have some zucchini that once I get done recording this podcast, I'm going to be shredding it so that we can freeze it for making breads and cookies and those kinds of things. My wife is also going to attempt making a zucchini pie. A friend of ours said that if you take the zucchini, cut it up, and then use an apple pie recipe, that you can do that. So we're going to give it a whirl. Who knows? Maybe I will add that to my next zucchini recipe episode. All right. That's what we've been up to here on 3B Farm and Homestead. I'm sure it is a busy time where you are at, and I trust things are well. Before we head on over to this week's Charting the Course, I did want to remind you that if you are in the upstate New York area, I will be speaking on Saturday, April 28th at 4 p.m. at the Washington County Fair in the County Bounty Building. And so I would be glad to have you join me there for that talk. My plan is to record that and actually release it as a future episode. But if you would like to be there live, it will be April 28th at 4 p.m. in the County Bounty Building at the Washington County Fair. And if you are in this area and you're unable to make it there on Saturday, but you are going to join us at the Washington County Fair, stop by. We will be in the swine barn all week long. And so I would be glad to meet you and to shake your hand. And uh, so again, that will be from August 23rd through August 29th the great Washington County Fair here in beautiful upstate New York. Stop by and say hello. All right, let's jump on over to this week's Charting the Course. On today's Charting the Course, we are talking all American canners. I am going to give you a review of the 921 and the 930. 
Before we jump into that, though, let me just give you a little bit of information about All-American canners. All-American canners come in a variety of different sizes. They start out at a 10-quart size known as, known as the 910, a 15-quart size known as the 915, a 21, actually I think it's technically a 21 and a half quart size, but it's known as the 921. You catching a pattern here? <laughs> they have a 25 quart, a 30 quart, and a 41 quart known as the 925, the 930, and the 941 respectively. Now, one thing that is very important to point out though, is that this quart size is not the number of quart jars this will hold, but it is the amount of liquid that each base will hold. So the 910, while it has a liquid capacity of 10 quarts, it actually only can handle four quart jars or seven regular pint jars. The 915, while it can hold 15 liquid quarts, it can only handle 10 regular pint jars and seven regular quart jars. So it's very, very important as you evaluate an all-American canner to understand that the liquid capacity does not necessarily match the number of jars. In fact, it never does. It does not match the number of quart jars that it will hold. Another thing that is important to point out before I get into the review or my thoughts on the 921 and the 930 is that just because you go up in size doesn't necessarily that you increase capacity by the same ratio. So a good example of that is if you look at the specs for the 921, you will find that it can handle 19 pints, double stacked, and seven regular quart jars. If you look at the 925, though, you will find that it actually has less capacity. It only will hold 18 pint jars, double stacked, and it will hold seven quart jars. So bigger is not always better. The big difference between the 921 and the 925 is that the 925 can handle half gallon jars, but I don't know too many people that can a lot in half gallon jars. So justifying an additional spend for a 925 over a 921, if you're buying them brand new, well, that's going to be up to you, but unless you're canning a lot or at all in half-gallon jars, you're probably going to be better off sticking with a 921. Anytime you buy a canner, I think the most important thing for you to think about is how you can. Do you can mainly in pints? Do you can mainly in quarts? Because again, the capacity uh, of each canner you may be able to get a lot of pints in them like you can with a 921, but you can only get seven quarts in there. Just keep that in mind. The jars you use is probably going to be a great indicator as far as the canner you should buy if you go this direction. So my thoughts on All-American canners. All-American canners are great canners. They are very, very well-made. They're made in the United States. Very, very thick aluminum. Uh, I have an old Miro that was made back in the 1950s, the All-American is much thicker and much better constructed than that was and far better than the new Miros and the new Prestos that are coming out. Those are just a lot thinner material than what you are going to get in an All-American. I love the fact that the All-Americans don't have gaskets. The lid is milled in such a way 
that when the, the top and the bottom are joined together and they're closed up properly, it creates a seal without the gasket and then the pressure builds up. I find with my All-Americans that the cycle times are much, much quicker than they are with my Miro and my Presto. They come up the pressure much quicker and they release pressure much quicker. So I can run a lot more cycles utilizing my All-American than I can with my Miro or my Presto. My All-Americans use a weighted gauge as well as having a dial gauge. So I have the best of both worlds. Whereas with my Presto, it only has a dial gauge. So in order to maintain the correct pressure, I have to really babysit it a lot. And that means turning up and turning down the flame to ensure that I'm not getting too much pressure, but that I have enough that I'm canning safely. With my All-Americans, it has the weighted gauge that can be set to 5, 10, or 15 pounds of pressure, and then the dial gauge that actually backs it up and confirms what is going on. The 921 is my go-to canner for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a lot lighter. Um, The 930 that I have is just, it's a taller canner, it's a beefier canner. And so it takes a lot more effort to put it up on the stove and to take it off. And I can a lot in pints. And so I can fit as many pints in the 921 as I can in the 930. There's really no benefit of me using the 930 over the 921 from a capacity perspective. When I'm canning in pints, so maybe I'm doing some green beans or something like that, about the only time I grab the 930 and use it is if I have filled up the 921 and I still have pints left to go and I don't want to wait for another cycle time. So I'll go ahead and use the 930 at the same time. One of the other things about the 930 that you should keep in mind is that the 930 is very, very tall. And so if you have a cabinet over your stove or you have an exhaust fan over your stove, if you're thinking about getting a 930, Certainly measure that space to make sure that a 930 will fit in there. In my case, it fits fine, but I have heard of some people that bought a 930, got it out of the box and realized that they couldn't use it on their stove because it was too tall. I believe the 921 is All-Americans most popular, best-selling canner. And really that I think is for good reason. I think for most people, it's the sweet spot. If you can a lot in pints, I mean, 19 pint jars at a whack, that's a lot of canned goods. If you can a lot in quarts, then you might want to think about getting a 930. But I think for many people, a 921 is going to be a great fit. Certainly the All-Americans are extremely well-made. Like I said, they're made here in the United States, very, very thick aluminum. And these are things that I think can be passed on from generation to generation. That's not to say that Miro canners or Presto canners can't. As I said, I have my grandparents' Miro canner that I believe they bought in the 1950s, and I still use it to this day. But is it as well-made as an All-American? No, not even close. The biggest downside, though, to the All-Americans is price. I did not buy either one of my canners brand new. I bought my 930 at an antique 
show. I think I paid $75 for it. Then I boogered up the lid. So I think that cost me another 120 bucks to get a new lid for it. So when it's all said and done for my 930, I'm into it for about 200 bucks. However, a 930 retails for 450 bucks. So I'm okay with being in it at 200 bucks, although I'd be much happier being in at it under a hundred bucks, but it is what it is. I screwed up and oh, well. <laughs> now the 921, I actually found on Craigslist and I think I paid a hundred bucks for it. A 921 retail goes for 379. So definitely I got a good deal for it. Periodically, I will see all Americans show up on Craigslist or show up on Facebook Marketplace. They don't generally last very long there, but I certainly have seen them. And even some of the older models. If you do see an older model on uh, Craigslist, don't be afraid of it. Buy it. If it's very pitted or something like that, you may want to stay away from it. But if it looks like it's in generally good condition, you can replace the gauge. And if it has a pet cock, I'd recommend replacing that with a vent pipe and a weighted gauge. And you're in business and you're going to have something that is going to last you for years and years and years. I highly recommend the All-American Canners, but I don't necessarily recommend them for people who are brand new to canning. If you're brand new to canning, there is a lot of money that you're going to be investing in jars and lids and canners and so on and so forth. And you're not 100% sure that you're going to stick with this. Now, I'm sure your every intention is to stick with this, but let's be realistic. Many of us have dabbled in things and tried things and realized that's just not for me. And you know what? You may find that canning is not for you and that's okay. That is perfectly okay. And so if you are brand new to canning, I actually would recommend that you invest in a Presto or a Miro canner because they're a lot cheaper. You can get a Presto pressure canner, 23 quart for around 110 or $120. And it is going to hold about the same amount as a 921. It holds 18 pints, double stacked. It holds seven regular quart jars for around $110 which saves you about 250 bucks. So if you're just getting into this and you're buying jars and you're buying lids and you're buying rings and you're buying all of the stuff, then you may want to save the 250 bucks now, get used to canning, figure out if this is something that you want to do, and then later on upgrade to an All-American. Now, if you can find an All-American on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, or whatever for a great price, then definitely pick it up, get one, highly recommend them, absolutely love them. But if you're brand new to this, I do think that a Miro or a Presto will work just as well for you, and it may be where you want to start. Now, I will say one other thing with regards to buying a Miro or a Presto, and that is that they come with just kind of a generic jiggler and the dial gauge on it. So the generic jiggler kind of sits on there and then you're supposed to regulate the pressure of the gauge by again, turning up and down the heat. And that just really requires a lot of time and babysitting. But 
at least with a Presto, I think with a Miro, you can as well. You can actually buy an additional three-piece regulator gauge that will help you set the pounds of pressure to 5, 10, or 15 pounds, like the round dial gauge that I use on my All-American. And I would highly recommend that you get one of those. Now, the Presto part number, I believe, is 50332. I will try to find a link to one of those and put it in the show notes. But I would highly recommend you get one of those instead of the one that comes in the box. If you are brand new to this, it's just so much easier to rely on that weighted gauge than it is to sit there with the dial gauge and try to regulate it by turning the heat up and down. So all of that to say, I love my 921. I love my 930. I love my 921 the best. I use it the most. I really only utilize the 930 if I've got the 921 filled up and still have some jars left. or when I am canning long runs of things like chicken or even tomatoes. But by and large, I use the 921. And if you're going to start out with an all-American canner, I would highly recommend that you get the 921. I think for most homesteaders, the 921 is the sweet spot. So I certainly highly recommend the all-American canners. If you can find one on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, or I've even seen people find them at places like Goodwill, Salvation Army, secondhand stores. And like I said, I found my 930 at an antique show. If you can find them in a place like that, snatch them up. You'll be very, very glad you did. And again, very easy to upgrade them, put in new gauges, jigglers, etc. 921s are awesome. But if you are brand new, I still would recommend a Presto or a Miro. That's my thoughts. If you disagree, let me know. But that's my thoughts on the All-American 921 and the All-American 930. Brian can be reached by emailing him at brian at thehomesteadjourney.net or by contacting him via our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support this podcast, we invite you to become a member of the Supporting Listeners Program. For $10 a month or $100 per year, you will receive access to a community of like-minded individuals via a private Facebook group, at least one monthly live Q&A with Brian, the opportunity to participate in live recordings of the podcast, access to an ever-expanding library of helpful homesteading content, and so much more. Head on over to support.thehomesteadjourney.net for more information and to sign up today. As always, the music on this episode was provided by audionautics.com. So a big shout out to them. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.